Welcome to Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome to you and ask you to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you, placing off the place you come around uh, so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we also want to welcome you. We want you to know we've been praying for you. Ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us to see what God is doing at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Well, with that being said, I want to share with you what's going on at Robinson Avenue. We have quite a bit going on, and I want to invite you to come and be a part of each and every one of that. For those of you that were at our vacation Bible school workshop yesterday, I want to thank you for that. It was a wonderful time, a great blessing indeed. Our uh, VBS this year is going to be monumental, so consider being a part of that. We still have a few positions that need to be filled, and we always need more and more and more volunteers. So please prayerfully consider being a part of that. Expected a large GBS this year, so please be in prayer about that as well. So I'm excited about it. We're going to need a lot of help decorating this year, and I can't wait to turn around and look and see what's going to be here in a few weeks. Monumental. It's going to be kind of in the desert, so I'm thinking that perhaps we could get away with shorts behind the pulpit in those days. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. Shorts and flip-flops, right? You don't wear flip-flops in the Texas desert. If you do, then... You're only there for about an hour, amen? Or you're getting in an RV or something like that. You're not going hiking in it. All right. So uh, that's coming up, our vacation Bible school. I'm going to ask you to be in prayer about that. But we do have a few things that I want to point out to you. Number one, we still have our Rent for Youth program going on. And that means you can get with Brother Brandon, who's just returned from his trip, and you can arrange to have youth or some youth come out and do some work for you at your house. Do you need that garage cleaning? Do you need that yard do you need that yard finally rake? Whatever it may be, you can rent a youth, and now those funds you give go directly to their going to camp funds. So please pray for the being a part of that as well. On top of that, uh, back down in the hallway, you'll see the youth have our soda machine up and running, and you can buy it, purchase their soda there for 75 cents, and those funds go directly to the youth group as well. Operation Christmas Child is back up and running, and right now we are recognizing our item of the month, and it is stuffed animals, and those stuffed animals will be put in those shoeboxes and sent to God knows where. But let me tell you, it's an amazing, amazing ministry. Please, prayerfully consider being a part of that as well. Alright, you'll notice down in the bottom of your bulletin, we're getting ready for our upcoming yard sale. That's going to be May the 14th, preparation day on the 13th. You can get with Sister Esther for more details on that uh, to reserve a table. And I uh, understand there will be some vendors there as well. Is that right, Esther? So there will be some vendors there. So come and be a part of that. Or if you've been wanting to have that yard sale, so hold off just a little bit longer, get yourself a table, and have it here at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. What's that? Crafts as well. Amen. Very good. Crafts as well. So those are some things that are coming up that I wanted to share with you. I also want to remind you that coming up May the 1st, we will have a business meeting, our quarterly business meeting, Sunday evening at 630 so please be in prayer about that as well. For those of you that sit on the ministry team, be in prayer about our upcoming ministry team meeting, May the 8th on Mother's Day. So great things are happening here at Rock Sandy Baptist Church. We're going to ask you to come and be a part of that. May will be busy for us. Moving into June, which will be busy for us. And into July, which will be really busy for us. So please be in prayer about those things uh, as God continues to open doors for all of you too. All right. With that being said, uh, let's have a word of prayer, and after we pray, we can please rise and welcome one another 
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. As we worship you, Lord God, we come to lay down any cares, any concerns, anything, Lord God Almighty, that come between us and worshiping you. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would help us to worship you in Jesus' name today. In your name we glorify and magnify you. We will lift it up and exalt it, Lord. And I'm just praying, Lord, your spirit would fall down like rain in here, that you would wash over every heart, wash over anybody, Lord God, who needs you today. And may they hear you and know that you're with them, that you will never leave them, nor forsake them. I also pray, Lord God, that as we worship today, that there might be seen that one that we come to know you in personal way to say, that you let them come today and give their heart to you. And Lord, we pray for those that are out traveling and those that are out sick, that you bless them and let them know that their family loves them and praying for them. Please pay attention to that too. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise and welcome one another. back to your seat. Please join me in singing Majesty.
you will grow in grace and be edified and equipped and encouraged this morning. I also pray that if you don't know Jesus, I've been my prayer all this week, you would come to know Him as personal Lord and Savior. The title of this morning's message is Of Rocks and Fish. Shall we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. I'm asking, Lord, for a double, triple portion of your spirit to fall down in me. It's, Lord, it's, it's kind of like we're all just kind of sleepy this morning. We're all just tired. So I pray, Lord God, that you'd give us a dose of the ghost this morning. I'm asking, Father God, you'd wake us up. And I'm praying, Lord God, that you put our sights back on what's important. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And nothing else matters, Lord. I'm asking, Lord God, you'd put a fire in our hearts, a fire in our lives. And I'm asking, Chief Jesus, that you would bless us with this thing. If there be any that need to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, any need to get their heart right with you, would you let today be that day that I give you the praise, the honor, and glory? And I thank you even now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Of rocks and fish is the title of this morning's message. We have a lot of fishermen here at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. We have tons of them. I got a big amen out of that. In fact, I heard some stories this morning about some fish that were caught throughout the weekend. I say, praise God. Praise God for that. I love a good fish. There's nothing better than when that bass comes up and gets your, your, your just under the surface lure. Amen. Some of you like those soft plastics. You know what I'm talking about. Your rubber worms or your lizards or something of that nature. And that bass comes up and gets it and he pops out of the water. There's nothing quite so thrilling. Yes, it is. There's something more thrilling than that. And that's when somebody gives their heart to Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to be talking about Peter today. About St. Peter. Now, I want to begin with a little bit of education about what a saint is. A saint is not somebody who's been dead for 400 years and has fat little babies flying all around them. That's not a saint. A saint is anybody who has repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? If you don't believe it, you need to start reading your Bible. Remember how the Apostle Paul opens up his Bible to the saints at Colossae, to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Philippians. Right now, I want you to understand that anybody who puts Christ in their heart and gets washed of their sins, gets born again, gets redeemed, however you want to phrase it, that's a saint. And so when we look at pictures like this, we often get confused. St. Peter, perhaps that was some state he uh, traveled to. Wrong. It was a place that he met wrong. No, no, no. It was how Jesus Christ leaves us. When you meet Jesus Christ, when you repent, when you put Christ in your heart and in your life, He washes you, He makes you brand new, and you leave Him being a saint. Can somebody say amen this morning? What does saint mean? Well, our Greek word, aios, means literally the holy one, the sanctified one. That means you get washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Your sins get washed away, and you walk away being brand spanking new. I don't know about you. But just thinking about that nowadays makes me start saying, Lord Jesus, come home right now. This body that I've got is starting to break down. It's starting to hurt. It's turning gray, and I'm losing my eyesight. Lord Jesus, come. Somebody say amen. Saints, holy, brand new. Here we got St. Peter up here. Boy, we're in the Baptist church. We know a little bit about Peter, don't we? In fact, we think Peter's probably the most Baptist out of all of them, don't you? Why? Because Peter suffered from what we call foot in the mouth disease. So do some of you. 
I've been your pastor for two years. I'm telling you, some of you guys need to learn a lesson from St. Peter. You know, I do all the time. You say, what kind of lesson do you need to learn from Peter, Pastor? Well, Peter often speaks before he thinks. You might be there right now with me. You ever regretted what you said after you said it? You ever said, man, what I said was really good, and then you get home, you're thinking, what I said was really stupid. You fit in the mold of the Apostle Peter. Well, there's a picture of them right there, how most of the world looks at them right there. And you know, you also got to ask that question. Why do they got to do that? Hook them horns with their hands down there. I'm an A&M fan. <laughs> Just kidding. He needs to have a thumbs up. Here we have that. So that's an old church tradition, and we're not going to get into that this morning, but most people ask me about that. Why do they do that? It's an old church religion. It has nothing to do with baptism. But by way of review this morning, let's take a look a little bit at the Apostle Peter and what he did. Remember last week, we actually kind of focused in on him a little bit. And don't be surprised as we look at Peter again next week. Look at me in Matthew chapter 16. And let's begin verse 13 here. Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art, excuse me for using the old King James Bible, I forgot the King Douglas was with me in that. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, if you have a modern day translation, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said unto them, well, Who do you say that I am? Listen how Simon Peter answered. Verse 16 Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now that's a good little look into Peter's life. What a wonderful blessing that would have been when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up and he speaks with authority. He speaks with knowledge. I think he speaks from a place of spiritual. Jesus kind of agrees with that. In fact, he really agrees with that when he says, Blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah. Simon, the son of Jonah, for what was revealed to you came from my Father in heaven. Not from flesh, not from blood, but it came from my Father in heaven. You've come to realize that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And incidentally, that's quite a blessing, isn't it? Could you imagine hearing that as Jesus said, Pat, blessed are you? I would love to hear that. In other words, what Jesus is saying, you're absolutely positively correct, Simon. For the first time in your life, you said something right. That's how we know Peter was married, because Jesus had to tell him he was right, not his wife. Well, I guess that. Now, the Greek word for Petros literally translated means a stone. And I want you to look at that with me. I took some time to put some Greek words up here for you, Petros. It means stone or a boulder. But this one, and it's the way they use it here, Peter, one of the twelve apostles, as in his name, Petros. And it does have that connotation, that understanding that it's a stone, and that's a boulder, or more likely, more reality, it's a piece of those things. I get that from the New American Standard and Gospel Supporting. Those of you that are looking for where I get my things. And when I read that particular scripture, I want to read it a lot like this. I want to read it with this in mind. Can I get that up there next time? There you go. I want to read it like this. When I read about the Apostle Peter, and it says, Upon this rock 
I'm going to build my church. I often get this view of Peter, this huge, big rock, don't you? Of course, we're Baptists, and we know the church. Peter's not quite that big, is he? But just so you can understand the picture of that, if you look up on our screen there, you'll see that underneath the, the my right side of the rock is a guy sitting there with a bowl. That's how big that rock is. That is a huge, big boulder. You might be thinking to yourself, yeah, wow, that's huge. And that's how I read that all the time. When I read through the description of Jesus to Peter, I'm this rock. I'm going to build my church. And so I've been guilty of putting that kind of rock on the apostle Peter. Really, I've been mixing what it really means. Now, let's just look into Jesus back up in just a minute. He is immediately rebuked after that statement by Jesus. In fact, if you'll read in Matthew 16, as you finish verse 20, don't tell anybody what was just revealed to you. Peter, verse 21, Peter has to start rebuking Jesus. Peter gets in Jesus' face. You know, sometimes when something good happens to us, we think we know it all, don't we? You know what happens there. Jesus starts telling them, I'm going, I'm on my way, I'm going to go into Jerusalem, they're going to crucify me, I'll fall into the hands of sinful men. And Peter gets in front of Jesus and says, that can't happen to you. And then Jesus kind of takes away all that glory he was made to you. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. In fact, what did he say to Peter? He said, get you behind me, Satan. That famous response. That we love to say nowadays, and let me tell you right now, when you say it to somebody, they feel like you hit them with a big rock, don't they? Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. Some of us have actually said that a time or two. Some of us have said it recently, and we're walking around with, like, ah, I got it. So when we really look at Peter, he doesn't quite look like that big stone. He looks a little bit more like this, doesn't he? start understanding a little bit more about Peter. In fact, if we're really deep, we'll start to understand it has nothing to do with Peter at all that Jesus built the church on. It has nothing to do with Peter's character. It has nothing to do with Peter's ability. So I want you to know Peter is just a little more pebbly than he does boulder life. So then, that brings us into our subject matter this morning. Peter, he's a rock, right? He's a rock. Or one pebble, perhaps. But nonetheless, a rock, that's his name, means rock. 
And a lot of times we love to take that 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 particular uh, name and say that must be what Jesus was talking about. Please understand that we all know that Peter is not the rock, but he's a rock. In fact, it's on Peter's confession. Now, just to get off off a topic for just a minute, it's Peter's confession that Jesus is talking about. You are the Son of the Living God. That is the rock that the church is going to be built on. That's what we need to hold on to. And I want you to know that if you read throughout your Bible, that is what the world persecutes Christians for. They want us to deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you understand this? I know that you do. I know that you've read this. I know that you've seen it. As you read through the Revelation, as you read through the prophecies, what you see is the world comes and says, deny that Jesus is the Son of God. And incidentally, what Jesus commends Peter for is for confessing that Jesus is the Son of the living God. On that rock, I'm going to build my church. And I want you to know that if Robertson Avenue will hold on to Jesus Christ as the Son of God, there's no other way into heaven, no other truth, no other life into heaven but Jesus Christ. We're going to be just fine. Amen? Because the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Jesus promises that. He promises that. But Peter's got another problem, though. He's got another problem. This is the problem we're looking into this morning. He's got another problem. And let me tell you, Peter is easy to pick on. So don't think that I just went through the Bible and found somebody. No, 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 no. All I had to do was look in the mirror. There's enough subject matter right there. Peter's got another problem, though. He denies Jesus. Please. In fact, that's the title of our message this morning, of Rock and Fish. See, there's a rock. And later on, we go fishing. Let's begin our journey this morning. Let's look at Peter's denial, shall we? Peter's first denial, John 18, verse 17. I know that I've, you've been with me long enough now to know we will never stay in the same passage very long. Go like this. We're going to jump around a little bit in our Bible. Peter's first denial, John 18, 17. Remember, Jesus had predicted this. You're going to deny me before the rooster crows, Peter. Peter's actually going to say, no way, Jose. I will not do that. Even if they put me in prison or they come to take my very life away, I will never deny thee. And, of course, Jesus reminds him, before the rooster crows, thou shalt deny me. And, of course, we see that happening. Look with me in John 18 verses 15 to 17. And I am asking Father God that perhaps you fit in one of these categories this morning. You would be Peter and come to Jesus. Verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. And that disciple was known as the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. Now we know from history that that's John the Apostle. We also know from Bible uh, study and deep look into the Scriptures so the guy that follows Jesus, excuse me, the other guy that follows Peter is John. He's known by the high priest, and he gets them both in. Look here in verse 16. Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known as the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? And here's Peter's famous response. He saith, I am that's number one. Say it with me now. Number one. We've got to practice again because we've got to get moving a little bit in this sermon here. Say it again. That's one. One denial. Peter denied him one time right there, and he denied him to a girl who kept the door. Look at number two. John 18 and verse 18 here. The 
servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals. And you need to remember that. That's an important verse. I've often preached to you and often taught you that there is no useless words in your Bible. So you need to remember that. Then. When you come across something that seems strange or out of place, remember it because you may see it again. Here we've got a statement in John chapter 18 and verse 18 about a fire that's made out of coals. I don't know about you, but generally speaking, I don't usually describe what kind of fire it was. I'm a boy. When I make fire, I just praise God. Amen? I just like burning things. Somebody, somebody praise the Lord. Yeah. In fact, I've got a guy in the church right now. He says, when my grandkids come out to visit me, we go out in the field and burn stuff. And they love every minute of it. I said, praise God. You're raising them right. Here we've got these servants of the high priest officers there. And the Bible tells us they made a fire of coal. You know, that's going to come back again. For it was cold, the Bible says. And they warned themselves. And people stood with them and warned themselves. Isn't it amazing how when you put yourself in circles of people you don't really want to be around, they usually pick up on that and notice, don't they? Verse 25, we find Peter's second denial. Simon Peter stood and warned himself. They said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Now, help me out here. Don't say this to That's two. One more time. That's two. Two times he denied Jesus. One, with a girl at the door. Two, with a bunch of good old boys at the fire. You been there lately? You been there lately? Let's look at the third one. John 18, 26 and 27. Verse 26 here. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off. I told you, we don't have to dig deep on Peter. Peter cut somebody's ear off. Sounds like a Baptist deacon, don't you? <laughs> we have a deacon meeting right after this church service. Peter was recognized in this room or in this area, this courtyard where they were, and the kinsman of Malchus, the person Peter cut his ear off, recognized him. And this is what he says in verse 26. Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Oh my goodness. That's true. One we had with a girl at the door. Two, we got with the boys at the fire. And three, we got with the kindred of the person, Peter Hart. Stay with me now. That's three. One more time. That's three. Three times now, Peter has denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. Peter has denied Jesus. And let's say, that's, that's not even under that big old rock, is it? If you were to move that big old rock now, what do you think underneath it? Worms? Crickets? Snakes? Oh my goodness, you don't have to dig deep, do you? <laughs> you don't have to dig deep at all. We can already see from reading the scriptures, Malchus got his ear cut off. Whenever Peter's around, someone's about to lose their ear. We also know that he's got a habit of getting in front of Jesus. And, I mean, this is God. He gets in front of God Almighty and says, you ain't going to do that, buddy. Are you one of those guys? Have you ever stood in front of God and said, not in my family, not in my house, not in my church. When you stand in front of God and tell God, it's my way or the highway, God's got a way of moving you out, doesn't he? He's got a way of changing your way of thinking. God can be very convincing about these matters. 
Here's Peter in the garden because he didn't quite get a hang of it. And he takes that sword and cuts him out with his ear off. And here he is in the courtyard denying Jesus. I don't know him. I don't know him. And here's the third time he denies. But Luke gives us the insight. Something happens here. Look at Luke in Luke 22, verses 59 to 62. Let's take a look at what the uh, Apostle Luke said. He said, wait a minute, he's not an apostle. No, you're right. But let's look at the disciple apostle here, the gospel writer. Jesus. 
right time. He denied Jesus to the kinsman of Malcolm. That's the one that he was cut off. You know what? I'd like to think of this. My second cousin wants to move. Brother's roommate was in the in this courtyard, and he recognized Peter. Why did he recognize Peter? Well, Peter probably had that distinctive good-looking guy. With, you know, he had a goatee. He was real fat. <laughs> he denied Jesus three times, and on the third time, this guy comes up and says, "I was in the garden. I saw you. You cut not the As we read last week, remember we talked about resurrection day. We read last week that John outrun Peter to the empty tomb. Remember that? And Peter, he goes in. Now, I want to give you something Some things to think about as we look into our message this morning. Not that it's in the gospel, but it's not. But some things that you think about. Look at here, John chapter 20. Let's read verses 3 through 8. Peter therefore went out. Now, remember the ladies who just shown back up after the resurrection of Jesus. And that's really what we're looking at this morning is what happened after the resurrection of Jesus. What happened with it? Well, we're going to find out that this whole message is about God and sin. It's all about what happened immediately after the resurrection, immediately after they realized Jesus is alive and he wants to have a relationship with me. What comes next? Well, you know what? I hope Pastor, what happens next? I'm beginning to realize, I'm beginning to believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that He wants to have a relationship with me. What do I do next? Well, this message is for you. Also, for those of you that said, I'm just denying you. Not just in what I say, but in how I act, and what I do, and the people I give. Here, those ladies showed up that early Sunday morning. They went in and they told the eleven, Jesus is alive. We saw the angels. They told us he's alive. Peter and John take off. Start tonight. The Bible tells us, and I love this right here, and incidentally, there's no wasted words in the Bible. The other disciple and Peter were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, one verse 4, and the other disciple, that's John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Why did John put that in there? You know what? We'll never know. But being a Baptist, I'm thinking John said, mm-hmm, I'll be sick of the Jews. Mm-hmm. I got that fire. I beat that aside. I think there's something happening in Peter. Now, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know, but I want you to start thinking about this for a second. Peter, who just denied Jesus three times, he looked into the eyes of the Son of God as the rooster crows. And the Bible tells us he goes out and he weeps bitterly. Remember in the Gospel of Luke, as he denies Jesus, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. I wonder, I wonder, just perhaps, as he began running to that tomb, he began to crow just a little bit. Just a little teeny tiny bit for John out there. And as he got to that tomb, the animosity. The heart was already pumping so fast because he was running. But out of a sudden now, there was a new feeling. A new feeling. You know what a feeling is? Fear. Oh my goodness, what is this? I got a feeling. 
What if he's in there? I've got to face him, and he's going to know what I did. I know he knows what I did because he saw me. He looked at me. He looked me in the eye, and I've got to see him. I've got to hear what he's got to say. And all of a sudden, he starts slowing down. And as he slows, John outruns Peter. He gets to the king. But the Bible tells us John is going to go near the king. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. He's going to say those things that I know that are coming. He's going to say, Peter, I told you you would deny me. Peter, you denied me. Peter, you're not worthy of me. Peter, you can't ever come back. In fact, that's what Peter is so afraid of. You can't come back. I'll never take you again. The Bible tells us. John outruns. Verse 4. Another disciple outran Jesus came to the king first. And he Sitting down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there. Yet he did not go in. Verse 6. Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And I've often wondered to myself. John's looking inside and he ain't going in. Peter gets there and he goes right on in. Not because he's bombastic, not because he's brash, not because he has foot to mouth to be, because in his mind he's thinking, I want to. I want to get there. I want to see him. There's one or two things I'm going to see inside that too. I'm either going to see a wrapped dead body and it's over, or I'm going to see some folded up linen clothes and I still got that to do. You've been sitting there for years and you, as a young person, put Christ in your heart and you were baptized and you were saved. But somewhere down the line, Somewhere down the line, you started cutting mouths and ears off. Somewhere down the line, you thought you were a rock, but you were really... And it started building things upon you. It started falling apart. And you didn't know where to go. You didn't know what to do. And you ran to the tomb. And you looked at the tomb and said, Jesus, are you there? And he was The Bible tells us in verse 7, the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Oh, Peter knew. Of course, we know from Jewish life, from Jewish background of Jewish culture that every rabbi folds their colleagues in a special way. And he looked in there and he saw that napkin folded up. Saw that colleague, saw those linen clothes folded up in a way that only Jesus could do it. Peter knew. Peter knew who folded it. He knew that Jesus' word had come true. He knew that he had conquered death. He knew that he rose again. He knew that he was alive. And Peter began saying, I still got to have him. I still got to I still got to be seen. Look at me in verse 8. Then the other disciple, John, remember, who came to the tomb first, went in also. I wonder what that was like if he walked into that tomb and perhaps put his arm on Peter's shoulder. Maybe Peter had a little startle. Perhaps he just looked over at him and said, Thank you for bringing me back to where I am right now. The Bible says, John saw and believed. Perhaps it didn't matter if Jesus was alive or if Jesus was wrapped up. To him, 
Look with me in John 21.3. Peter stands up to the disciples and he says, I go a fishing. I love the disciples too. They don't know what to do either. They're like, we're going with you. It's common circumstance. Did you know this? When a person who falls into sin, they will return to their old lifestyle and habits. Did you know that? They will go back to it. When they sin or when they get caught in sin or caught in lust, they will actually go back and actually come across with the idea that those in the church don't want anything to do with them. That is so wrong. That is a lie from the devil. Did you know that? It's also a common circumstance that God will bring that person right back to a similar circumstance when they sin. God will bring them back to a similar circumstance. Let me give you an example of that quickly now. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham has been called out of his family, out of his history, out of his family culture. Get out of the land and go to a land that I will show you, says God to Father Abraham. Abraham obeys, sort of. He does take Lot with him. He probably should have left Lot behind. But hindsight's always 20-20. Amen? He takes Lot with him. He leaves. He starts going out to a place God will show him. And then eventually, God does speak to him and says, Right here, right here is where I want you to be. I'm going to give this land to you, to your family, to your children. Those that bless you, I will bless. Those that curse you, I will curse. Right here, you're going to be blessed. And after a little while, he ends like this boy. Go somewhere else. He does. He ends up in Egypt. No business being there, but he ends up in Egypt. And while in Egypt, he almost loses his wife. Mm-hmm. He becomes a liar. Hey, Pharaoh, that's not really my wife. That's my sister. You ever heard somebody say that before? Isn't it amazing how people who fall into sin will trade their families for sin? You ever watch an addict? They will trade their family for the drugs. They will trade their family for alcohol. They will trade their family. Sell them out. Let them go because they love their sin more than they do their family. Jesus says it like this. They love darkness more than they do light. It's common circumstances. God will bring that person right back, though. That similar circumstance. As you find out what happens, God intervenes. But God always does in the school of family life. He intervenes. Abraham leaves Egypt. He now has a thorn in the side named Hagar. We're going to talk about that later on. He leaves. He comes out of Egypt. He goes right back to where he started in Genesis chapter 12. Calls upon God. And God's like, where you been? I've been right here all the while. Sometimes we have to make that circle in our life. Here is Peter now saying, I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going back to and making that circle. Similar circumstances on the beach. He had no Jesus, no son. It was all his purpose. John chapter 21. As we've saying, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the city of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. I think God had something to do with that, amen? If he'd have caught something, he'd have been like, nah, God wants me to be a fisherman. I think I'll just wait for you. Go to the man's first four here. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that he was too far off. Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? 
seven rims cast the net on the right side of the ship and used to find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It's John again. It's amazing how John outruns Peter to the conclusion that we just did. It's like he outran Peter to the conclusion. It is the Lord! Now, when Simon Peter heard, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he jerked his fishes told unto him, For he was naked. Now, we don't need to really describe that, but I'll tell you this. Fishermen in these times would often work naked in the night because they didn't want their clothes to be good. The Bible says, Cast yourself into the sea. Verse 8, the other disciples came into a little ship, and they were not far from land. But as it were, two hundred feet, dragging the net to the sea. As soon as they would come to land, they saw a fire of Later on, as he's in front of a fire of coals, the guys around him say, 
surely you're one of them for thy speech betrayeth thee. And he gives them oath and says, I'm not one of his disciples. And later on, the one says, I call you a boy. And Jesus curses his son, excuse me, Peter curses his son and says, I don't know him. Then he came in. Check out the next scene here as Peter comes out. Perhaps you saw something like this. It's early, it's breakfast time. They've been working all through the night. The sun is rising, and as it rises, and you can remember that's when they were bringing Jesus in the house. The coal of fires is there. Perhaps as Peter swam up onto the shore, he began to realize where he's at. And Luke again to Jesus' first question. Before I do that, I want to ask you a question. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. We did it very effectively. Very good here at Rob Stanley Baptist Church. Not once, not twice, but three times. He said it with me. He denied him once. He denied him twice. He denied him three times. And of course we know Jesus is going to ask three wonderful questions. Look with me at John 21, 15. So when they had dined, of course I just want you to know it's a little, little uh, tidbit for Baptist churches there. They ate first. So like this. <laughs> Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than me? Saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Saith unto him, Feed my lamb. And you might be sitting in the seat this morning saying, Can God take me back? Can God forgive me? Will Jesus use me again? I have denied him. I've cut people's fears off. I've cut relationships off. I've broken trust. I've broken everything that I could possibly imagine. And in my heart is out come curse words, swear words, and out has come filth. Showing what was truly living in my heart. Here we have a picture of Jesus looking at Peter. Simon Hartman, lovest thou me more than me? Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than me? Do you see it as Peter? Do you love me more than these other guys love me? Or do you see it as Peter? Do you love me more than you love me? It doesn't matter. Does it? What is it meant to accomplish something? Do you love me? Peter. Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And the word for love is from the Greek word. I'm going to say in modern day Greek, it's a yachtful. A yachtful. Do you love me? We know how Peter responds. We would love to hear Peter say, Lord, thou knowest, I love you. In fact, that's what we read in our English text, but that's not John 21 15 tells us. So when they had dined, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, I go follow me. More than you. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I. Well, be nice, he said, I'll go follow back to him. And he does. Peter says, You know, I love you. And what does Peter say? Peter responds with the Greek word, talk to them. Transliterated, it means brotherly love. I love you like a brother. You ever been to the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love? 
You know I love you like a brother. I can't love you like that, Lord. I agapeo you so much. I gave my life for you on the cross. I'm asking you to agapeo me. That's the difference. Let me tell you what agape love is, because that's how much God loves you. In fact, I want to quote it for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word that's used in there is agape. And what is it used for? Oftentimes, we see it in old Greek manuscripts and old Greek culture about the love that's described between a man and a woman who have been married 40, 50, 60, 70 years. One of those kinds of love that when one dies, the other one dies the next day because they can't live without them. That's what agapeo love is. And church, what Jesus is saying is, I can't live without you. I would rather die than be without you. And for God so loved the world, He did give His only begotten Son. Amen? That's what agape love is. Thou knowest I love you like a brother. God doesn't want you to love him like a brother. He's not the Bubba Jesus in your car. He is Lord and Savior. He's nothing here. The second time, remember now, he is not in any time. At any time, Jesus can say, Do you know me? Listen again, verse 16. He can't be him again. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Once again, Jesus used that word out of power. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I am here. Sometimes Jesus changes up a little bit. Sometimes he's not in Again, Jesus uses that word out of power. Hope to see how Peter answers. I love you like a brother. You know, you're my brother from my sister and mother. You're my sister from another mister. Amen. Who got this? Who got this? I'm going to tell you a quick story. I know I'm really out of time. I'll tell you a quick story. Happy Friday night. My family is so blessed. Somebody in this church came to my office the other day, and she blessed me and my family with a little bitty gift card to go to Texas Roadhouse. I've never been to Texas Roadhouse. Yes, it was a blessing. <laughs> I've never been there, and I went there, and it was a delight. And while there, a man came up and said, Brother Morrison, it is so good to see you. You've got such a beautiful family. I hope you enjoy your time here. And I didn't know who they were. So I did what all Baptists do. God bless you, brother. Nice to see you again. He goes to sit down. Betsy looks right at me. She says, You don't know who that guy is, do you? Not from Adam. <laughs> I hope he's not watching us. God bless you, brother. Here we have the Apostle Peter again. The Apostle Peter, Lord, I love you like a brother. I would love you. Maybe that's what you want right now. I want to love you, Jesus. I'm such a brother. You've got to move past. You've got to move past that. You know how you do this? All to Jesus. You ever sang that song before? All to Jesus, I surrender. Here comes the third question, though. 
John 21, 17, Jesus came and kept coming. He saith unto him the third time, I need son of John, the Lord of the God. Saith unto him the third time, Time is coming, Jonah, the Lamb. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, The Lamb, thou me. I don't know why Peter was so tired. How many of you have read in the doctrine? For by your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. That is written. That's Rima. Peter answered and said, Lord, Notice that I delayed. Jesus said, I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak. Even though you want to find Jesus. This time Jesus uses the flail to the world. And the Bible tells us he was never free. That was in the sin of Jesus. Broken heart. Same time, broken heart in the fall. And Jesus turned and looked at them. And went out.
stubborn, speak Greek in a new testament. And you see, the speech is a little bit different. You don't have to worry about it as much. Well. Feed my speech in Jesus and that's what it's going to be. Because that's what Jesus wanted to be. I don't want to lose anymore. Your love for Jesus right now is just loving Jesus. I want you to notice the level of love will not take you into the relationship of society. It will not take you where you need to be. Jesus is looking for his bride. His bride has a shop in love. Remember what we talked about in the shop in love? Well, I can't live without you. And so the question you might ask me now, Pastor, did you ever learn to have not paid Jesus? I'm so glad you asked. Look at the first Peter chapter one. The apostle Peter begins writing letters to the church. In fact, the only church he wanted to plant by writing letters. He becomes uh, a leader in the church. Man, he goes a lot more than saying, "I'm going fishing." He starts saying, "Let's love them. Let's pray for them. Let's go visit them. Let's love the sick. Let's heal those that are sick. Let's be about God's business." Look what Peter writes here in First Peter chapter one. Look at here, verse sixty-nine. The apostle Peter writes. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith is much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found in praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Who have not seen he loved. And that word he uses right there is exactly. Whom having not seen you of God's hand. So now we see him not. Yet believing, we rejoice with joy of scripture and full of glory. And I believe the apostle Peter, as he writes that down, we are about paying him his remembrance about running to the tomb that day. And looking inside of that tomb and not seeing him for the day and that story. Thank you. 